going to teach today uh, my third teach in a series that stretched over almost four months because of everything else that we've had going on around here. Uh, we've been in a bit of a series on kingdom finances. And so a number of months back, I did kind of a, a beginning teach on kingdom finance and just sort of seeing our finances through our faith. And the, the, the kind of the, the tagline there as we looked at that was this idea or this wonder that when I say yes to Christ's invitation to follow me, does that have implications for my finances? And we, uh, I suggested that very much so that it does. Um, the second teach that we did then in the midst of Advent was one on generosity and on giving. And, and, and then out of that place of kingdom finances, being incredibly generous with what we have um, and how important that was, how, how much of a biblical encouragement that was, how much of an example we see in that in Christ. And so we began to talk about that. Today, I want to really kind of focus in and come right down to something a bit more specific. And so the teach today is going to be on tithing. And um, I think it's one of those things that we hear that word lots, and if you've been in the church for a while or you grew up in the church, you've probably heard it said lots, and you might have some ideas about it. But it's one of those things that I love to be able to touch in moments along the way so that we can all make sure that we're on the, right page, the same page and a right page. Because I think sometimes when it comes to tithing and to giving and things, we can, it can become a bit of a cloudiness. And that just, let's make, let's make it clear. Let's bring some clarity there today. Uh, because I think the reason why I wanted to talk about this as kind of the third teach in this series was because we can talk about all these things conceptually and we can talk about all these things uh, at a heart level, which is why I started there. I think that's very important. But if you're anything like me, it's helpful then to take that teaching and to make it uh, practical to make it applicable. How do I live into this? How do I begin to walk this out? And throughout the history of the people of God, God has been very um, intentional with his people to invite them into it in a tangible way. And the tithe is one of the major parts of that. And so I want to spend some time talking about that today. Um, a couple of stories for you just before we jump into some scriptures. I remember I was about 19 years old. And, you know, when you're 19, you know everything, of course. Um, but you think that your financial situation is just like unfair, right? Because you, you look around and all you know is you want to have more than you have and the guy beside you has got more than you have and it's just not working out, right? And then you go get a job at somewhere like the Gap or a restaurant or something and they hand you your paycheck and you realize the government takes some of that and on and on it goes and you're just, money, it's kind of that moment in my life when it started to hit me that uh, finances was going to be a big part of life and I was uh, not super encouraged by what I was experiencing at some level. So it's kind of this interesting piece. And I remember my mom took me aside. Now, we, I grew up in a home where my dad was a pastor. And my mom and dad made some pretty radical moves in their life for the sake of the gospel that had financial consequence for us as a family. Um, and so I had grown up in a place where I knew we had very little. And that at times it was actually, looking back as an adult now, um, quite um, a step of faith for my parents, especially with two little children to live like they did. And I remember at 19, my mom taking me aside to have a conversation with me about finances. My parents didn't have a lot of conversations with me about finances, um, but this was the only one I ever had, and I'm really thankful for it, because if you're only gonna have one, I think it's a good one. And she sat down with me, and she shared with me from her own life and from their life that they had faithfully tithed throughout their life. And she encouraged me to very seriously consider that and to commit to that in my own life. Uh, that was a moment in my life with my mom in a real day, kind of practical conversation, a discipleship moment for me that shaped this area of my life, and I'm incredibly thankful for that moment. I'll share some more as we go on. Fast forward to my uh, 
kind of mid to late 20s, and I remember I met a man who um, has been incredibly supportive of us in ministry. When we started church planting for six years, he almost funded my salary by him on his own. He's quite a man of God and has a lot of resource, but sees his resource as kingdom finance. So some of the things I've been teaching, I actually learned from my friend Jeff uh, as he talked about the way that he sees finance. And I remember him um, saying to me, if I'm ever talking to someone who's in financial difficulty, who's stressed out, who doesn't have enough, who's in a space, the first question I ask them is, are you tithing? I thought, okay. It felt a little bit like, wow, they already told you they're having trouble with money, and you're asking them if they're giving it away. He also shared with me that in his business practices, he came up um, from very little. He had very little as a child uh, and kind of worked his way up in, in the place to where he is now financially. But as he walked that through, every time that he would get into trouble, both personally or in his business, he, would just, he said to me, he said, I just started giving money away. And, he's, and I, so I just sat with this guy, and I said, you got to talk to me. Tell me more. Like, in my 20s, I'm thinking, that's just upside down, to, you know. And so this started me on this path of starting to pray and to ask. And over the years as I've walked, and I've met different people who, especially people who I saw, seem to have a real kingdom mind around their finances. I often would ask them and have been learning and growing in this understanding of the tithe. And it's become actually what I think today I want to talk to you about the gift of tithing. Um, certainly our tithe is a gift in a way, but I think the greater gift is actually to us. What is a tithe? Uh, it's in the Old Testament, we see the tithe, it's just a tithe being a Hebrew word that means tenth. So the tithe, that's why often if you've heard of the tithe before, you've probably heard that connection between a tithe and, and 10%. The word tithe literally means 10%. In uh, Deuteronomy 14, we're told this, uh, the, the law was being given to the people, and it says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And it, later on it goes on to say that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So the people of God in the Old Testament were, were called to this tithe. It was something that they were uh, expected to do. It was something that God required of them. And so they would give this 10% off of everything that came in um, and what's important to recognize is that this wasn't just sort of like a, a, a hoop they had to jump through or something that the Lord put on them. And it also wasn't just sort of some way to take care of the bills. It really was for the people of God as they began to live in it and to walk in it, a way of worship. That it was very much connected to their relationship with God and their, the whole of their lives. So it's, it's very much connected to what we've been talking about, that when we come into relationship with God, when we come into relationship with Jesus, our finances come into that relationship as well. Right? And this area that can often be very burdensome, can be very uh, stressful, can be very overwhelming, can actually become a place of real blessing, a place of real life for us and for those around us. So the giving of the tithe was an act of worship, and it served as a tangible reminder to the people of God who gave these tithes, that God was the provider. He was the one who took care of them. He was the one who gave them everything they had in the first place. So this tithe was an act of worship. Secondly, the tithe in, there in the Old Testament was holy. It was spoken of as something that was set apart, consecrated unto God. And so when they would give the tithe, it was more than just sort of like fee for service. They weren't just sort of like giving, their, they were actually giving that tithe to the Lord. It was an offering, right? 
a tithe consecrated, set apart. In Leviticus chapter 27, we're told that every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruits of the trees, is the Lord's, and it's holy to the Lord. So I hope it starts already. We're going to dig into it together for our context today. But I hope it already starts to set some context for you around this concept that this is maybe different or bigger than you've considered before. Once the tithe was given, it was holy, set apart for the Lord. And so here in our services, every time that we gather uh, in the liturgy, in the common book of prayer, we have what's called the offertory. And we prayed it right after our prayers of the people already this morning. Uh, it's a prayer that is a direct quote from First Chronicles that declares, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty, for everything in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. All things come from you, O Lord, and of your own have we given to you. And so we pray that prayer every week. And I, I, I want to talk a little bit practically today about the way that we bring our tithes here at Via Langley, uh, especially in the year 2023, and especially since COVID, because often if you grew up in church, you know they would pass the offering plate, or if you grew up in a more traditional Anglican context, you probably had, like we do, a plate at the back, and the offering was placed there as you would come in, and then it was brought forward. 95% of you bring your tithe now uh, electronically. It comes a different way. And, and, and that's fine. I, don't, I think it's great. I don't have any problem with that. But I think what the, where it becomes a problem is if we don't connect that action with an intentional um, recognition of what we're doing, right? It doesn't, it doesn't sort of just exist in our lives at the same level as the car payment, right? But instead, it, it, this is a tithe, and so we want this to be connected to our worship. So that's one of the reasons why we pray that prayer every week. Right, is to be able to take a moment and remember, oh right, I gave this week. And I want to take a moment in the midst, in the presence of God, in the place of worship, to bring that and to lay it down, to set it apart, to consecrate that tithe and to give that to the Lord. The tithe was set apart to God to be used to support those who served in the temple, so the Levites especially. If you notice when they kind of dole out to the different tribes, the Levites aren't given any land. So it's pretty hard to then produce uh, food to produce, cattle to produce, they, and they're to set their parts aside, lives aside to serve the rest of the people of God in the, in the temple. And so the tithe was used to support them. Right? It was also used to support sojourners, those who were without a home. It was used to support widows. It was used to support orphans. It was, in essence, used to support the poor. And so this tithe would come in to, to support those who led the people of God and so that as a community, they could serve the world around them. Uh, a passage that I would like, actually, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Malachi chapter 3 and we'll, look, we'll read just a section of this together. Malachi chapter 3 and we'll read from verse 6. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, so it's right before the Gospels. For I, the Lord, do not charge, or do not change, sorry, therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. <laughs> There's one for you. For the days of your fathers, or from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, and you've not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? 
in your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and therefore, or thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. The word of the Lord. A couple of things I'd like to highlight from this passage. First of all, in, especially in verse 10, I'll focus a little bit. The church or the people of God here in Israel are encouraged to bring the full tithe. And so they are called to, and this prophet obviously is pointing to the fact that they haven't been, whether they've not been tithing at all or they've just been sort of like um, holding back, you know, they've sort of been not bringing the full tithe, that full 10%. He says to them, that's like you robbing me. I, I think that's power, kind of potent language, um, but worth our attention today to say, whoa, that's okay, we're listening. God, what are you trying to say here, you know? And this withholding, uh, it goes on as you read it, it goes on to show that this withholding had consequences for them. And it had consequences for their life. Uh, in this passage, it literally speaks of curse. But what's really encouraging in the passage is that the prophet reminds and God reminds through him that obedience also had consequences. Right? That to be faithful to this, to bring that tithe, as hard as it might be, I don't I don't think any of us are going to argue with that in our own flesh and our day-to-day and the stresses of our lives and our finances that to think of bringing a tithe is tricky, it's hard. But to obey and to do that had incredible um, consequences. It had incredible things that would come from that and part of that was the blessing of God in their lives. And it, I want to connect that idea with the idea we've been talking about for a while already around finances is that when we let our finances become kingdom finances, we get to live in the financial freedom that is ours in God, that is ours in Christ Jesus. Because suddenly my finances become His. Whether it's my lack or my much, the things that stress us out about our finances become His. Right? And the tithe then becomes this practical way as we bring the full of the tithe to the Lord and we set aside this 10% off what comes in right off the top it shapes and, and, and sets our hearts in relationship to the whole thing. It's a way to discipline our lives and our hearts to let our finances become kingdom finances. And so it has to do with that tithe, but handling that tithe well and bringing the full of it, um, it's, it actually shapes the whole, the 100%, or the negative. <laughs> In some of our lives, you know, like when we bring that 10% and we think, yeah, but how am I going to pay the rent? What's so beautiful is when we lay that down, what we're saying is, God, all that I have came from you. And of your own do I give to you. And, and in there becomes all that I have and all that I need. And so God is set in a place to be the one who cares for those things. And so this encouragement to bring the full tithe is important for us. Second of all, I love that they're told to bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now when they say the storehouse, they're talking about a, an area in the temple where the tithe was actually collected and kept and then um, administered and stewarded from. 
the temple treasuries used to store and steward the tithe. The tithe was brought to the storehouse. It was brought to the temple, to the place that cared for their souls. As they went about their days and they laid down their lives and they toiled and they worked and they loved and they lived, the the temple was the place that they would come to the presence of God, where they would come in and be discipled, where they would come in and be cared for, where their souls were, were, were cared for. And so the tithe is to be brought into that place where, our, where is our storehouse, where is our, the temple, the place where God's presence has taken on visible form and where we are nurtured and raised up. Important to note that the, the tithe was never to be turned into. Sometimes when we read, especially that Malachi passage, uh, I think we, we, can be, we have to be a little careful. We're tempted towards this idea that the tithe is a little bit like um, a slot machine. You know, you drop it in, you pull the handle, and you hope to hit it rich. You know, it's like, and we turn it into this idea, well, if you bring your tithe, then you'll, God will make you rich. Right? And if you go back and read Mal- that Malachi passage, you could misread it that way. Right? That this is sort of like a way to make sure that I'm going to do really well financially. I'll give my tithe and then the Lord owes me, sort of thing. And I think it's important for us to recognize that that's not at all what's happening here. That's not at all the principle or the heart of the matter. What is important is that right hearts and motivations are really important in giving. And we talked about that those other weeks too when we talked about generosity and when we talked about kingdom finances. It really is a matter of the heart. And I think it's why Jesus talked so much about money because he knows it's a matter of the heart. And when we enter into or consider this practice of tithing at a heart level, it actually becomes something that can shape this, right? Suddenly it, 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 be, it comes something really beautiful and can be an incredible gift to us. And so hearts matter in this. Now, as we shift over to the New Testament, you might be wondering, and a question that I've certainly asked and had to kind of like pray about and lean into is, Chad, everything that you've laid out for us is Old Testament, And so how then does this Old Covenant practice, this Old Testament practice, carry, or does it carry into the New Testament? Does it have any place in our conversation today as a church as those who have experienced uh, the incarnation and the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection and are living in this New Covenant? And I'll, I'll try and make this quick. But what's important for us to realize, I think, today is that in Jesus, like with many things when he began to teach, and and especially when he began to address things of the law, Jesus was first and foremost concerned with the heart. And I think the law was always first and foremost concerned with the heart. Unfortunately, many of the religious leaders had lost that connection, it seems. But it was about the heart. It wasn't just about doing the right stuff and, and getting the gold stars and you know, kind of ch- it was like, no, no, this is about you living life and life to the full, the life that God created you for. Right? And it's a matter of the heart. It's not just about walking things out, but walking them out in a way that is full of life and leads to life. And so Jesus was concerned with the heart and not just the rule. He says in Matthew chapter 23, when he addresses the Pharisees, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Right? So he says, yeah, you're ticking the boxes, but do you not see the breakdown here? What is it to bring the tithe and neglect the poor? 
the whole, this is silliness. You know, Jesus is just calling them out. I mean, the, in, even in your scriptural text, you'll see that word hypocrites has an exclamation mark after it. He, he said it with some vibrato. In the Sermon on the Mount, though, Christ said in Matthew 5, 17 to 20, he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Often Jesus would say things like, you've heard it said, and then he would lay out a piece of the law or a way that the people of God have been called to live. He said, you've heard it said, you know, don't murder. But I say, if you hate your brother, right? In many ways, as Jesus comes and fulfills the law, and as he begins to articulate it, he doesn't sort of like water it down or remove it from people's lives. In some ways, he turns up the volume. And that if there's a volume, so it's the turn up of the volume isn't as much about making a stronger, heavier rule. He connects it to the heart. So suddenly now, it's not just about my physical actions or my mental well-being or the state of my mind but it's about my heart. And I think the same then applies, and if you watch Jesus as he talks about money, and as he goes in that gospel passage we read today is a great example. If anything, Jesus doesn't take the tithe out of the picture. I think as a new covenant people, he actually calls us to set that as a beginning point. If anything, what Jesus is trying to say, you've heard it said that there's a tithe to be brought, I want to say to you, I, I encourage you to bring all that you have. And certainly that passage we read about the widow who drops her coins in the offering, you know, it's literally said she brought everything she had to live on. We're not right to abolish the tithe. In fact, our concept of giving should include it and far exceed its limit. Uh, in the ACNA, the Anglican Church in North America, the province that our church is a part of, there are some canons or some kind of laid out um, regulations for us as churches, things that we subscribe to and that we follow. And I, I just want to share a few of them with you so that you know this isn't just Chad's kind of ideas. Uh, but in one part it says this concerning the tithe. The biblical tithe is the minimum standard of giving to support the mission of the church and should be taught and encouraged at every level in the church. So part of the reason why I'm teaching on this today is because our parish council asked me to, but even if they hadn't, our archbishop has asked me to. So I'm a good grounds. Secondly, one of the things it says in another section is it talks about all of us as part of the church, congregants, those who are lay members in the church, and our responsibilities. There's a whole, you, you can actually pull this up online if you want it, I can send it to you, because it's something just so beautiful, so beautiful. It's really a call to discipleship. But uh, one of those points is this, that with, uh, with the help of God's grace, it shall be the duty of every member of the church to give regular financial support to the church with the biblical tithe as the minimum standard of giving. And so even our province is bringing this tithe concept right, into the understanding of what it looks like to give uh, inside the context of the local church. When we say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow me, our finances become kingdom finances. And one of the ways that we structure or move our hearts in response to that and participate in that and bring our lives into that is through this action or this discipline of tithing. A couple of things to think about when we think about tithing. And as you maybe would even consider it fresh, many of you do, 
And so I could probably swap you places. Uh, but if you consider the tithe today, let me share some things about what the tithe is that hopefully help to kind of show why I would say I think it's a gift to us. First of all, the tithe is, same as we've talked about in the Old Testament, an act of worship. That the tithe is about letting our finances and this side of our lives that if we're not careful can so quickly consume us, become overwhelming, become, and it actually takes it and takes that very piece and brings it into the place of worship. That's profound to me. That I would be able to bring this part of my heart under the Lordship of Jesus and let it be a place of worship. That I would bring that tithe, just like someone would bring a sacrifice or an offering in the Old Testament, that I would bring that and I would lay it down before the Lord and I would consecrate it before Him. And that in my own heart as I do that, I would discipline myself to be a, a man of worship who would lift that to the Lord as an offering to Him. To say, Lord, all things in heaven and on earth come from You, and of your own have we given to you. So one of the things I do actually want to uh, suggest is, if you give it electronically, and especially if you have children, all of us, but especially if you have children, to consider what it looks like as a family to make some kind of like uh, intentional space to recognize this action of worship. So that can work many different ways. But maybe it's once a week at dinner, you stop and you pray that prayer from Chronicles together. right? And it becomes a place both where it connects with the place of worship, and I, why I said especially if you have children is, invite your children into that process. Let that be a place of discipleship for them, where they begin to see that. You know, uh, I know that uh, throughout my life, part of my relationship with money was shaped by observation. As I watched my parents trust the Lord, and let that be a place of worship. I grew up to the point at which when I was an adult and starting to make the same kind of decisions, my dad literally turned to my mom one day, quite concerned for me and my wife, and said, we did this to him. And I thought, yes, but you don't need to feel bad. I actually, it's one of the things I want to thank you for, right? It's a beautiful thing, right? That by your choices and by this place and letting those things become a place of worship, we were able to meet with God in the very place that for so many around us is just a place of pressure and stress. Secondly, uh, it's an act of worship. Secondly, uh, one of the practices to think about is that it is about first fruits. And this, this concept is often connected with giving. In, in the scriptures, Proverbs 3 verses 9 to 10 is one place where it lays that out really beautifully. But as you bring your tithe, I would encourage you to give that tithe as best you can. I know life doesn't work so perfect all the time. But if you can bring that and let that be something that you do first, that's part of what helps it to then shape the rest. If we take care of all the rest and then go to bring the tithe, first of all, one of the things happens is often we find we don't have a tithe left. But the bigger thing is that we've kind of lost that what could be a real gift, and I think it's why the Bible has this idea of first fruit, that it would be brought up front, that it would be the first thing you do, right? And I think it's always important. I think it's always important to do that, but I think it's really important to do when we're really tight or when there's a lack. Because part of what it can become then is this act of worship, but also an act of prayer, an act of, of, of admission that, Lord, all my finances are yours, right? And so the lack is yours too. I give you this today, and in doing that, I just lay it all before you. And boy, I just don't have time this morning, but could I tell you stories of the way the Lord has been faithful in my life. Um, 
And I think that part of the way I've been able to at least see that has been because this has disciplined my life for years. So I encourage you to think about that. How could we bring that right off the top before we do anything else? Second, or thirdly, bring it into the storehouse. I think this concept is still important for us. And so that tithe is one that we bring, and we bring that tithe specifically into the place that cares for our souls. Right? And so the tithe, and this, this is kind of picked up in those canons of the province, those tithe comes into the local church. Uh, I've, I've got lots of friends and people who have said to me, yeah, I, t- I want to tithe, but I'm going to kind of like figure out where to send it. So I'm going to pick this over here, and I'm going to send it, and I'm going to break it up, I'm going to spread it out. I think that's a great idea. Give generously. That was, remember, that was the teach from before. But the tithe, I think, part of it is that we bring that into the storehouse. There's a number of reasons why I think that's important. First of all, it's important to sow into the place that both is caring for my soul and the soul of my neighbor, right? Because Leah Langley is here in the city of Langley, and we're caring, right? So we want to sow and support in that, in that space. The other reason why it's important, though, is it can become this really humble action, then, of surrender. And that would be the other thing that I would say. That the, as we bring it into the storehouse, it helps us connect with this idea that the tithe is unto the Lord. And so I bring it in an act of worship, and I lay it down. I surrender it to the Lord. And so I don't actually maintain management or control over that tithe. Does that make sense? And so it's this another piece that just disciplines our heart to say, Lord, I'm giving this back to you. Done. As a, it's no strings attached. It's a free gift of God. Here it is, Lord. And then that tithe becomes something that's not remaining in certain ways under this place of anxiety or control, but it's one that we're trusting to the Lord, unto the Lord, and it becomes then an act of consecration, an act of setting apart, an act of surrender to the Lord. And again, that shapes that tithe, but it shapes the whole 100%. See? I let go of it and I give it to the Lord and suddenly all of it starts to feel that way. And I begin to live with everything that I have. Uh, whether it be the things that I use to faithfully care for the responsibilities God's put in my life or to love the poor around me. And so as we bring this tithe as an act of worship, I want to consider you to really consider it as a gift to you. A gift that would help you to tangibly, actively participate in the things we've been talking about over this past couple of teachers around King and Finance. Uh, because it's just, I don't think it's helpful to say, here's a great biblical concept. I have people come to me all the time and say, that sounds really great, Chad. How do I do that? If someone asked me that about this kingdom finance stuff, this would be the main answer that I would give. Do you tithe? Would you consider it if you don't already? Would you pray about it? Take it in and, uh, and lay this idea or this opportunity before the Lord When we bring our tithes as first fruits into the storehouse, it trains our hearts and shapes our entire relationship with finances, both in our lack and in our plenty. This is an act of obedience. It's an act of submission to God, and in these ways, it shapes our hearts as such. It may, for you to enter into, it may require some things. It may require some repentance, a turning, 
where we've not maybe been generous or where we've not allowed our finances to be submitted to the Lord or where we've not been faithful in our tithe or we've not been cheerful in our giving as we've talked and now I'm trying to bring all these three teachers together to say all these things, we may realize, oh Lord, I have clung to my finances. You know, often finances, uh, there's a few of them, relationships, that we kind of go, everything is yours, Lord. I'm just going to hive this off over here. Right? I'm going to hold it. There's just a repentance in the sense of saying, I just, I let that go. And I turn back to Christ and say, Christ, here I am. All that I have is from you, and of your own have we given to you. Let's go. What do, what do you want to do, Lord? Right? And I love how the challenge of the prophet Malachi, just, just if you'll do that, just watch and see what I'll do with a people who are surrendered and who have given that piece of their life to me so fully. So it may require some repentance, but for some of you too, and for I know this has been part of my story, for some of us it might also require some, some healing. Right? It might require that we come to the Lord and are able to bring to Him those places where finances have been short, or where we felt um, disappointed, or, where, or maybe even for some, we're in the context of family and people, but certainly in context of the church, where what I just taught was taught differently, and where finances were mismanaged or were used inappropriately, or this idea of the tithe was used inappropriately. And so just to bring those things to the Lord as we prepare our hearts to come to the table, because if we can bring these things to the Lord, either in repentance or in asking for this healing, that we would be able to be set free to fully enter into what I'm calling the gift. That is this practice or this discipline of tithing. And certainly to have, I like kind of this idea that the ACNA referred to it as a baseline. Um, I just love being able to think, Lord, how much could we give you know like here's my tithe but lord would you free us up and part of the prayer is i don't want to just pray it as individuals i want us to pray it as a church as a church we tithe to our diocese so everything that comes in as a corporate body we take a 10 percent tithe and we send that to our diocese for the work of our diocese to support our bishops and the work that they do and many committees and things that build resources and help to serve us as clergy and so uh so we want to pray corporately as well lord we got to um Right after Christmas, I got to take our Advent giving above and beyond our tithe, remember? And I got to take a check for $800 to Raphael Family Center. And they were just so thankful, so blessed by that. What a, what a blast. Lord, let, let it be that we could just be, do more, more and more. Just be generous, a tangible expression of the heart of God in this place. I want to invite you to, if you don't already tithe, to think about it, to try it. Um, one of the analogies I've used before is to say, you know, how do you know if a spinach, mushroom, and feta omelet is incredible? You have to try one. <laughs> Giving and generosity is a matter of the heart, and so I would invite you to pray about and to talk as families about what it might look like to try it. To just see, and that's certainly the invitation of God in Malachi, to see what the Lord will do. Tithing is a gift from God to us designed to discipline, train, and posture our hearts properly towards our finances, towards each other, towards the world around us, and probably most significantly towards God. Drawing us deeper into the kingdom mindset 
of what we've been talking about throughout this whole series. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this time together and for the, the fact that the gospel has beautiful implications for the depths of our lives, the whole of our lives, but it has really practical, beautiful, specific implications for the things of our every day. And we confess to you, Father, that finances often become points of anxiety for us. They become points of like a burden for us. Whether we have much or little, it doesn't seem to matter. Money has a potential to take over our lives and our minds and our hearts in ways that take us from you, that pull us away from what matters. And so, Lord, we just want to come together, and as we even consider today this practice of tithing, we consider it in relationship to the whole conversation and just ask you by your Spirit, would you shape and mold and train and discipline our hearts to walk in freedom, to walk in life and life to the full. God, we confess that that does not have a dollar figure attached to it. I do not have to have much and I do not have to have little. I just need to be where you've called me. And wherever you call me, I pray, and wherever you call us as a church, I pray, that we would be able to say with, with growing levels of conviction that I have learned to be content in all things. With much, with little. Lord, you've been so generous with us. You've been so faithful in our lives. And I just pray right now for anyone who is struggling financially. Especially if their, their financial situation is causing them anxiety today. If their financial situation is impacting marriage and family. In negative ways, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would come and that they would know the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. God, in those places that we find ourselves, we just stop and we consider right now this opportunity to turn it all over to you. To lift our lives, our hearts, our minds to you, Jesus. And to say, here are our finances. Lord, would you see fit to do what is right and best for you and for your kingdom purposes, we pray in Jesus' name.